Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. It is exactly the midpoint of the college football season. We're handing out report cards today. We look forward to Roddy Jones of ESPN and the ACC Network. He'll drop by in about 90 minutes. It's not quite midseason in the NFL or not quite the halfway point, but Will Brinson of CBS Sports is going to drop by a little bit later to talk about Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Allen versus Cam Newton, the rest of the Panthers picture, and Jalen Ramsey moving from Jacksonville to the Rams. Also on the front burner is Major League Baseball. And with that in mind, we turn to our next guest. He does great work for the MLB Network and MLB.com. He has covered this great sport with distinction for decades. We already have the Washington Nationals advancing to the World Series. The Yankees and the Astros were two of the three best teams in baseball throughout the regular season. They continue their series tomorrow night after tonight's game was postponed. We bring in Richard Justice to help us understand it all. Richard, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, David. It's great to have you. We had this weird anomaly where America's favorite sport, the NFL, was not in the huge market of L.A. for a long time. And then we've had this other anomaly where another of our favorite sports, MLB, was not in our nation's capital for a long time. How do you summarize the reaction to this sweep of the Cardinals by the Washington Nationals? Uh, they haven't won a World Series in that city since 1924. And when they were 19 and 31 to start the season, there weren't many optimists in our nation's capital. No, you you are right. I, I worked at the Washington Post for 16 years and uh, didn't have baseball all that time. Didn't get it back to 2005, and it sometimes it seemed like hitting you hitting your head against the wall. And that I, I think a lot of people in baseball saw Washington as still this sleepy southern town that had failed twice. It didn't it didn't take into account the 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 the, the uh, prosperity of the Virginia and Maryland suburbs and also there was a practical uh, reason in that it's 35 miles from home plate at Nationals Park to Camden Yards and you don't want to put one franchise in an area that will hurt another Washington is a great sports town and what you saw the last couple of days I uh, I heard from a woman I heard on a, uh, I, that was at the game last night that said it was like uh, one community, you know, at a time when we're so divided in so many different ways, people, it was strangers were hugging strangers. They were all in. That's what this team has done for the, for the city. And when they were 1931, you thought there was no hope. However, 1931 obscured the fact that they had a bunch of guys hurt. And also if you just take a step back and say, okay, who are we? Who are these Washington? Yeah. They're top three in the rotation are as good as any in baseball. The top six in their lineup are as good as any in baseball. But it looked for a while like the problems in the bullpen might bring the whole thing down. Richard Justice joining us on the David Glenn Show. Find his work at MLB.com and at the MLB Network. On Twitter, he is at Richard Justice. Yankees-Astros Game 4, remember, postponed for tonight, pushed to Thursday night. Game 5 will be Friday night. Uh, both of those, of course, at Yankee Stadium. Garrett Cole had another pitching gem last night as the Astros beat the Yankees to take a 2-1 to lead in that seven-game ALCS. You gave us some of the elements of this Washington national story. Everybody remembers Bryce Harper's departure. Uh, most remember that slow start that you mentioned. What else explains how they got from there to here? Because as much as it feels like starting pitching uh, is devalued in modern Major League Baseball, when I look at both the Astros story and this great national story, it feels like somewhere in the top three, starting pitching is the, is the explanation. 
Well, everybody still wants it. Starting pitching is a rare commodity, and it is also very expensive. And like the, when the Kansas City Royals went to that Super bullpen, it wasn't that they said, okay, we don't believe in starting pitching. It was like, this is what we can afford. We can get a first-rate reliever for $5 million. A first-rate starter is $30 million, and you just you make the best of, of what you have. The Bryce Harper, a couple of things changed. One, from a very practical standpoint, um, Bryce has not um, – in his last year in Washington, his chase rate was up. I don't know. His bell rate was down, all those things. Now, he was just – not as good as players. Defensive metrics went down, but they still wanted him. He was the face of the franchise, all that. But when they couldn't sign him, they took that money and invested it in the rotation. And so they ended up with a super rotation, Strasburg, Rescherzer, and Patrick Corbin, the guy they signed to replace him. Yeah. They did have outfielders to replace Bryce Harper. Victor Robles is potentially a, you know, 20 years old. Soto, Juan Soto's 20. They have another guy, Michael A. Taylor. They were, they were, they were pretty much set in that point. The other thing they did is they changed the tone of the clubhouse and people are going to connect this to Bryce Harper. I'm not sure that's fair, but they went out and signed guys very respected for guys that carry you through when you're 19 and 31, their, their maturity, Anibal Sanchez, Kurt Suzuki, Jan Gomes, Brian Dozier. They had Howie Kendrick there. who's one of the most respected players of baseball, Ryan Zimmerman and Scherzer guys like that. Yeah. So what they've had is they have a front three of the rotation as good as any Anthony Rendon is going to finish top three in the national league MVP voting. And they have a great mix of youth and, and experience. You know, those young guys they have, like Trey Turner and Soto and Robles, they are really special players. They have speed that other teams don't have. It'll be a tough matchup. You know, I, I understand the Yankees or Astros are going to be favored, but this is going to be – that is a tough matchup. They're 16-2, and two, and you know what happens is it's not just things you can always quantify. It's like they're on a magic carpet ride right now. There are numbers in baseball that I love and add value to my enjoyment and others' enjoyment of the sport. There are other numbers. I'm never sure whether I should put any weight on them at all. And with that in mind, I ask you my next question. There, there are recent numbers about what happens to the team that clinches a spot in the World Series and then has to wait for the other, right? And in the last 13 examples, whoever clinches first is only 2-11, and 11. So the team that clinched second ends up winning the World Series. This could be quite a wait, right, for the Washington Nationals, depending on how far the Astros and the Yankees go. Do you put any weight on either that or even the number that the last five teams to sweep an LCS went on to lose the World Series, which just sounds counterintuitive somehow? Yeah, the, well, the, the, the Nationals are going to have to wait seven days. No matter what, the World Series starts next Tuesday. Yeah. And how does that affect them? It gives them, on the plus side, it gives them a chance to rest. Their bullpen needs to rest. Their starters need to rest. And to, and to line up Scherzer, Strasburg, and Pat Corbin to go, and Anibal Sanchez to go games one through through four. They're going to have their top three guys to pitch six of the seven games of the World Series. Do you lose sharpness? Yes, you're going to lose sharpness. It doesn't matter if they go back to West Palm Beach, Florida, and try to have sim games. All those things, you can't replicate what you get in playoff atmosphere. On the other hand, you can't replicate that anyway, and you just have to go play. So would it be – listen, I, I, the Yankees and Astros would like to clinch as fast as possible and so they can get some rest. If they have to run through the tape, we'll see. You know, the, the Astros had no rest before playing the ALCS. The Yankees had a few days off. 
and it really hasn't mattered. So I don't put any stock into it. Uh, at the end of the day, you just want to be there, and you'll figure the, uh, the rest of it out as you go. Richard Justice is joining us. The city of Washington has not won a World Series but one time, and it was 95 years ago. That was the right. old Washington Walter Senators. Johnson. Wow. Yeah, you covered him right now. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. my, uh, one of my heroes, Shirley Povich, who has the first and only 75-year pin oh, yeah. in the history of the Washington Post. His son, Maury, mimicked Shirley this week with what he wrote to the game. But in that World Series, this is the respect Shirley had in the city of Washington. Um, the other paper hired Babe Ruth to be a uh, guest columnist, and he only showed up for one game. So he didn't want to compete against Shirley either. In the, the height of Watergate, when Nixon his, despised the Washington Post beyond words, somebody said, so you're saying you never look at the Washington Post? And he goes, well, I read Povich. Other than that, no. <laughs> so that's that's when you know you're in, you're in pretty good company. So well put, Richard Justice is joining us on the David Glenn Show. So, Major League Baseball. I don't know how common this uh, is. It feels unusual that around noon you would say, "Hey, a game scheduled for eight hours from now is preemptively postponed." Uh, what did you make of that? And then is there a competitive advantage for either side or the other with game four tomorrow night instead of tonight? Game five gets pushed to Friday and then games six and seven, if necessary, are back in Houston over the weekend. Right. They were almost going to I think they considered doing the postponement last night because the, the weather forecast was so there was such a consensus that it's going to be a bad day in New York, you know. Um, it, it favors the, the Astros for this reason. The Astro, the Yankees are doing a peculiar thing with their pitching staff. They don't have a lot of confidence in their starters right now. Luis Severino yeah. coming back from an injury, uh, so they use eight relievers. They're going to use they're going to throw reliever after reliever at you. What they did in Game One is very unsettling for. Uh, I'm sorry, it was Game Two. It's very unsettling for the other team. You, these guys are such creatures of habit. You try to prepare for one guy. It's hard to prepare for seven. Problem is, if you go four, start, play four days in a row, you're going to wear your guys out. You need some starting pitching, and the the Astros are more traditional in that way. Now that's what I'm. That's that's who has the advantage. It yeah. gives the Astros an advantage. At the end of the day, it means nothing though. You know, and people talk about neither side. Some of the prime time players on both teams aren't hitting. And one thing the Astros manager AJ Hinch said is, wait, 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 wait. These are not slumps. These are great pitchers. That are that are having their way right now with great hitters. That's going to happen sometimes. Richard Justice is joining us on the David Glenn Show. I was convinced all regular season that the three best teams were the Astros and the Yankees, still standing, uh, but also the LA Dodgers, and they're gone. When you look ahead, uh, clearly Washington will have an outstanding opponent. And the Houston Astros at 107 wins, I mean, to me, look about as well-constructed a roster as you'll ever see. Do you throw all that out the window? I mean, because the Nationals clearly throw out 1931. You know, their record right. since then, I guess, would be Astros-like, right? 82 and 40. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, wow. and they've won 16 out of 18, and the, the, the starting rotation has been unhittable. I think the, the playoffs are a different ecosystem, but not just that. I think almost every game is its own particular nation. Somebody asked after the Astros lost game one of the LCS, Someone asked A.J. Hinch, Did you, do you consider game two must win? And he said, I have never managed a, a playoff game that I didn't think was must win. They're all must win because you have so few opportunities and you have to win every game. And if you don't, you, you just keep playing. But uh, 
It's, I mean, when you go back and look at how the Astros won in 17, I mean, Bregman homers off sale in game four of the division series. They went two elimination games at home against the Yankees. And then in the top of the ninth inning of game two, Marlon Gonzalez hits a Kenley Jansen fastball over the center field wall. I mean, that's how thin the margin is. Well put. Richard Justice, this is more of a personal question. I was dreaming uh, because my hometown Philadelphia Phillies, I was dreaming of them getting somebody the caliber of Joe Madden to be their new manager. Uh, (laughs) He is going from Chicago instead to take over the L.A. Angels. Is, Is it, from your position a little bit afar, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Joe Madden, I'd rather live in Southern California than Philadelphia. All due respect to my hometown. Uh, there'd be more breathing down my neck if I didn't win quickly enough in Philly as compared to L.A. And they do have, you know, Otani and Mike Trout and some other nice building blocks out there. Do you have any sense of, of why Joe picks the Angels and where the Phillies go from here? Well, that's, you know, well, he is from Philadelphia. And I know that had an appeal to him. The Pirates appealed to him. Too, but he has he was with the Angels for 31 years. They were the most aggressive after he got fired. Approached him immediately. He has a home in Long Beach. Uh, his wife is from that area. That area. I think Joe feels like both emotionally and physically he's going back home. The Angels are home to him. It's where he made his name. He was in the trenches for a bunch of years. He tells the story of a Gene Mock one time in instructional league. Said, "Kid, I don't know what you're doing, but this is one of the great work environments I've ever seen." So there's that. But, I, I mean, I, I think Joe would have been interested in the Mets or any of the, the Phillies or any of those jobs that came open. It's just that the Angels just said, I mean, fast. I mean, fast. Within 24 hours, it was like, we want you, you want us. Now let's work out the details. They uh, they struck quickly. They fired their manager at, because they had an opportunity to hire Joe. Yeah. So what, what are they going to do? We're not well, you know, the Phillies, look, here's who you should hire. And, and I would say this to the Mets. You need a change in culture. And probably because you had young a young manager, and I think Gabe Kapler is going to get hired by the Giants. But because you had a young guy, you want an experienced guy. Buck Walter comes in and changes everything the first minute. He does it like what were the mistakes we were making last year? We won't make anymore. He has a great touch with players. I mean, he can be a pain in the butt at times. Yeah. But he is a genius at dealing with players and at getting guys to, at cleaning up mistakes. You know, I mean, they you know obviously they have a lot of work to do. And, and they have holes all over their roster, the Phillies do, but they have also a lot of building blocks, too. Appreciate you chiming in, Richard. Enjoy the playoffs. Thank you, Dave. You got it. On Twitter, at Richard Justice, online, MLB.com, on your TV screen, the MLB Network. Will Brinson is a jack-of-all-trades in the NFL, senior NFL writer for CBSSports.com. He drops by later this hour, also co-host of the popular Pick 6 podcast. Roddy Jones adds to our college football conversation in our third hour. On the other side, we invite more of your calls. I just got a cool email from Game Day Charlie. He gives Dave Doran a C at NC State. Should I ask him permission to share all these on the air? Maybe I should. I don't know. Charlie's a friend of the program, so I'm going to push the boundaries of our friendship and just share these. Mac Brown gets a B so far at Carolina. This is what you've done through six of the regular season's 12-game schedule. So Doran C, Mac B, App State's Eli Drinkwitz gets an A. David Cutcliffe gets a B. The Devils are 4-2. and two. Dave Clawson gets a B. The Deeks are 5-1, and one, but coming off that Louisville loss. And then he gives Mike Houston at ECU 
a C to a B, not a lot of talent on hand. Charlie even gave me some little commentary along with his report card grades. We appreciate that. The question of the day for college football fans is, what letter grade would you give your favorite college football coach or team and why? Some of you are chiming in on national programs. That's certainly okay. Mac Brown's getting mostly good grades at Carolina. Dave Clawson, good grades at Wake Forest. Dave David Cutcliffe, mostly good grades at Duke. Dave Doran, not as many good grades from Wolfpack Nation. Willie Taggart at Florida State is under some pressure. Scott Satterfield at Louisville is getting maybe more A's than anybody else. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, it hasn't been perfect, but they're still 6-0. and So really, really good grades overall there as well. Will Muschamp at South Carolina is only 3-3, three and three, but he just went between the hedges and beat the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, that's got to count for something. 3-3 three and three is not pretty, but the details matter, right? Mac Brown's created a vibe with Carolina football that's better than 3-3. Three and three. Will Muschamp, with that win, has the Gamecocks in a place that's better than just a 3-3 three and three mediocre 500 record might suggest. So I think both of those guys deserve better than average grades, meaning better than the C that many of us once got on our report cards. 1-800-849-2761. The NFL question of the day is, who is your MVP right now? We are testing the theory that the MVP is usually a quarterback. In fact, 11 of the last 12 NFL MVPs have been quarterbacks. We all know the rules, and I'm using that in air quotes. The rules usually lead to the MVP not only being a quarterback the overwhelming majority of the time, but a quarterback from a playoff team. Could Christian McCaffrey, whose numbers are among the best through six games in the history of the NFL, could he be the rare running back to enter that conversation you can chime in on that if you like at 1-800-849-2761 meanwhile in the nba some of the same people who often say stick to sports or shut up and dribble are now criticizing lebron james and steve kerr and greg popovich for not being more outspoken about other social injustice issues in other parts of the world you can chime in on that if you like 1-800-849-2761. Baseball playoffs, red-hot Carolina Hurricanes, an MLS expansion update that people in Charlotte and Raleigh may want to hear. College football with our report cards question. The NFL with our MVP question. We're also celebrating 10 years on Twitter with our handle, at David Glenn Show. My producer 10 years ago, Jared Brooks, is going to drop by. Hayes Permar, I think, is going to drop by as well. The three guys who have been my partners in crime, so to speak, for those 10 years on Twitter are all going to have a voice as we celebrate that anniversary. Rick and Rocky Mount once in on our midseason report cards for college football coaches and programs. You can be next on the NFL where Jalen Ramsey is on the move. One of the best defensive backs in the NFL is now a member of the L.A. Rams. The Jacksonville Jaguars got a nice return there. More on those stories with more of your calls. More guests later. Your call's next, 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Quick thing for the LeBron James critics 
Greg Popovich critics, Steve Kerr critics, and especially NBA critics. As we come back to your calls on the NFL, college football, the red-hot Carolina Hurricanes, the baseball playoffs, and more. One quick thing I promised. According to the Sacramento Bee newspaper, the city of Sacramento, California, will be announced as expected as Major League Soccer's 29th team. For those who have forgotten, of course, the MLS is coming up on its playoffs. Our state has been firmly in that mix. Whether you're a soccer fan or not, you may not know that the MLS has become an incredibly successful economic model. It is filling stadiums better than it ever has. It is making money better than it ever has. Miami and Nashville, Tennessee will begin play in that league next year for the first time. Austin, Texas will begin in 2021. St. Louis, and now it's a f not official, but as expected, it was reported last night. Sacramento, California, that gets them to 29. Their publicly stated goal is 30 in the relatively near future. Charlotte does remain a top candidate for team number 30, in large part because of the deep pockets and creative ideas of the Panthers owner, David Tepper, who was not a part of that city's pitch just a couple years ago. He has them as one of the leading contenders to be number 30, franchise number 30 for Major League Soccer. Raleigh is not out of the mix. In fact, Raleigh and Charlotte would be two of the four or five next cities you mentioned as the best candidates for number 30, but Raleigh still doesn't have that downtown stadium thing worked out and unless they get that at some point Raleigh will fall by the wayside Charlotte remains in contention but we're not sure if the MLS loves the idea of a soccer team playing in the football specific stadium uh, it is being done elsewhere but they prefer soccer specific stadiums that is one imperfect part of David Tepper's effort to bring the MLS to the Queen City of Charlotte. 1-800-849-2761. Question for those going after the NBA as a whole for, they say, being hypocritical in this whole China international incident. Some of you are going after individually LeBron James or Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr. What I don't understand about the criticism of the NBA is this, and I think most people, if you listen to my show, you realize I am not only somebody who follows human rights, I follow it very closely. Now, 99% of the time, there's no reason to bring such things up in a sports radio context, so I don't. There are 100 political things that never have come up on this show in 20 years, and then when politics and sports overlap, of course. So, for example, when a Russia or a China or Qatar, the Middle Eastern nation, when they are granted the rights to host a World Cup in soccer or an Olympic Games, I have chimed in on these airwaves repeatedly with my objections because I think that if you're the Olympics or the World Cup, two organizations with intense track records for massive corruption, there's no doubt about it. We don't have time to go into it right now, but I think the facts, I know there's a mountain of evidence to back up that statement. When they essentially reward wrongdoers, they are doing exactly what you're now accusing the NBA of doing. They're selling out for a dollar. In this case, millions or billions of dollars, but of course they are. Cutter, if you made a list of the 10 nations with the worst human rights violations, Russia, Cutter, and China are all are three of those 10, and yet they got two of the biggest sporting events that the world has to offer. Yes, that is selling your soul for the almighty dollar, especially given the corruption that goes along with those human rights violations. 
in this particular context, the NBA is not giving its crown jewel to China. The NBA is just calling China a customer the way many other countries are customers. Happens to be the NBA's second largest market. But as we invite your calls, I ask you this. Always best, to be if you want to try to be a good person, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. If you were the NBA, or maybe you have contributed to or run a company of your own, are you automatically going to stop doing business with every country where you disagree with this or that would be the casual way to say it, or even serious human rights, rights violations would be the most applicable way to say it here. Because I ask you this question, is the NBA really doing the right thing automatically to just pull up stakes, leave China, which is what some of the hypocrite accusations are suggesting they should do? Oh, you're choosing the almighty dollar over social justice warrior status. You are that in the United States. Why aren't you that more often around the world? Well, you all know, I think many of those critics who don't see any distinction between social activity at home, social justice activity at home, where you live, where you vote, where you pay taxes, if you don't see any difference between doing it at home, your native country, or where you reside, versus somewhere half around the world, like you've, I'm serious, you have missed all of human history. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, whoever your favorite social justice warrior is, it's almost 100% chance that, yes, they spent most of their life working on what? Making their own country better. Chiming in most vocally on issues in their own country. This is not a novel co concept, and that's why I think many of you are offering a double standard. As somehow, some way, Kerr and Popovich and LeBron and others are supposed to be just as active and just as vocal in other countries as they are in their own? Who has ever done that? Like, almost nobody. And the fact that you sweep that under the table as if there's no distinction whatsoever, I think is ridiculous, and it undermines your argument. If you owned a company that provided construction materials, or if you made kids' toys, would you automatically stop doing business with a country like China? Automatically? On some principle level? Because if I sold kids' toys... I don't have any beef with the people of China. I have a beef with the government of China. That's why I didn't think they deserved the Olympics. I don't have a beef with the people of Qatar or the people of Russia. I have a beef with Putin and the government and oppression and such things, right? So if you sell kids' toys, would you automatically never sell to your Chinese vendors? Like, you, you're just going to take toys out of Chinese kids' hands because you're mad at the government? I just ask you to consider that because there's a parallel to the NBA's role here. You are going to deprive, in a nation with more than a billion people, and according to estimates from both sides, the NBA's estimate and China's estimate, rarely do numbers match when the official government of China is offering any statistic. They, are, they have been pathologically dishonest to their own people. That's part of the oppressive culture there. They just don't value individual freedom much at all in that nation. And you can be thrown in jail quickly without the right to an attorney or a trial just for disagreeing with the government. Happens to university professors on a fairly regular basis. You just disappear from your family and your workplace not to be heard again from, from a, for a long, long time. I am no fan of those nations. And I voted again against them getting the World Cup or the Olympic Games. 
But if they're one of my markets as the NBA, or they're one of my markets for my construction materials, or they're one of my markets for kids' toys, am I depriving the people of China, with whom I have no beef, of kids' toys? or the materials to build their roads, or in this context, their enjoyment of NBA telecasts? Like, that's just a no-brainer for you? You see that they're among the worst human rights violators, and you're right, but that is an easy call for you? I I don't see it as nearly that simple. I don't see it as the NBA is choosing the almighty dollar over the social justice warrior thing. You could, most companies, I'm trying to think, What is the last major company in America that stopped doing business entirely in a country on merely philosophical grounds? It doesn't happen often. I can promise you that. Many of you, you could disagree with China's human rights violations track record, and again, you'd be right, but you still probably buy stuff at the clothing store, 40% of which is made in China in many cases, You're not drawing that line for yourself personally, for the most part. And that's why I don't think it's an automatic double standard for the NBA either. I I don't see it as hypocritical. I don't see it as a double standard. I see it as most of world history has suggested is the way it is. Everybody, corporate citizens, personal citizens, is far more active at home than they are in places where they don't live and they don't vote and they don't... It directly impact the legislative system, if you will. Uh, to me, it's, it's the way it's always been, and there's a common sense aspect to it. Are you more active in your neighborhood or halfway across the country? Are you ma- more active about American policies or something in South Africa? Are you more active about how you raise your children or how you raise you know, your nieces and nephews halfway across the country? Of course, you're all, you're all more active closer to home. And that's why I think it's hypocritical of many of you to suggest that somehow the NBA doesn't get to play by a similar set of rules. You're not automatically writing anything by saying, I'm not selling you my kids' toys or I'm not letting you watch my NBA games anymore. You're not making the situation better, and you're depriving people of happiness. And, And no, you're not correcting the problems of human rights violations in China. The question is, how much, how many steps forward would you be making at the expense of allowing what both sides estimate is half a billion people just enjoying some NBA basketball on their TV sets? Is that an easy, no doubt about it, no-brainer, I can't believe the hypocrisy of the NBA type question? Or is it maybe a little bit more complicated than some of the simple-minded attack mongers are suggesting right now. 1-800-849-2761. Will Brinson, CBS Sports on the NFL. Next. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Was, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 
Will Branson, senior NFL writer for CBS Sports, co-host of the very popular Pick 6 podcast. He's rooting for the Washington Nationals in the baseball playoffs, although he still classifies himself as an Atlanta Braves fan, and don't you forget it. He had an interesting exchange with one of his followers on Twitter. Will may not know, despite our partnership, that this week we celebrate our 10-year anniversary on Twitter. Will, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I would never ask you a question of this personal nature unless you had tweeted about it yourself. But somebody actually went out of their way to find Will Brinson's wife's Twitter handle and then wrote something, I won't say it out loud, but really, <laughs> really nasty. Please tell me, Will, as we're celebrating our 10th anniversary on Twitter at David Glenn Show, please tell me that in your line of distinctive work, the pluses still far outweigh the minuses in your Twitter universe. Yeah, I think so, Dave, and, and happy anniversary. Thank Good you. To talk to you. Uh, the, um, yeah, this is a sort of an unusual one. I've never actually seen someone I, – I tweeted that – I wrote, the Chargers are pathetic after uh, the Chargers coughed up uh, too early – uh, turnovers last Sunday night, and then like instead of tweeting me, the guy tweets my my, my wife AK, which is, is like like what what kind of human being are you? Yes, that you would like like what like what's what, and then and then the guy who's a Chargers fan, it's like what, uh, anyway. But um, yeah, I would say the pluses still outweigh the minuses, especially when like you quote tweet that and you see the guy get dogpiled and you get DMs from people who are like, man, that that is wildly inappropriate, yada yada yada. So. um yeah, I, I, I would, I will, I'll take the pluses, but, man, sometimes that website is stupid. I'm with you, and I, I appreciated your use of language. Very classy, comma, fella, was his yeah. response. And I I, said, I'm happy to hear that he got dogpiled. Yeah, I should have said, keep it classy, San Diego. I, I, lost, a, uh, <laughs> I lost a window there for a <laughs> Will Brinson is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He is on Twitter, at Will Brinson, and we have a whole lot of fun things to discuss in the National Football League. What do the Carolina Panthers do now that Kyle Allen keeps winning football games, but Cam Newton is expected back at practice next week? Yeah, I mean, I think here's the thing, Dave, is that Cam, like Kyle Allen is, is winning those games. And I mean, he's, you know, look, he's playing really well. I mean, I know that people don't, he's not playing like at an MVP level. And I mean, that's fine. Like he shouldn't be. He's not, he doesn't have that wealth of experience um, in his, uh, in his, in his back pocket to be playing like that. But he, I mean, the Panthers are winning games because they have a great defense an elite running game and a quarterback who is making smart decisions with the ball, albeit, you know, sometimes uh, not gripping it as well as perhaps uh, his, his coaching staff would like him to. I, I think when it comes to the cam situation, there is zero reason to play cam unless you are absolutely either desperate or, uh, in the event that he is completely healthy. And by that, I mean, like, if for some reason the Panthers went on a three to four game losing skid and, or, you know, and, and Cam was like kind of close, maybe you roll him out there and see if it can work. But there's no reason is the way that Kyle Allen is playing and the way that he's developing and, and the way that he's helping, helping this team, um, you know, execute in, in critical situations and coming away with wins. There's, there's no way that you should think about playing cam when he's not healthy, that foot injury will, it will re-aggravate itself. If he doesn't get the, the rest that he needs uh, his shoulder, he's still rehabbing from the shoulder issue, I think anyway. And all of those things are going to throw his mechanics off. I mean, you know, you look at the Panthers office, I tweeted out how the Panthers, uh, you know, according to DVOA have a great offense or a great defense and an okay offense. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're fifth in the league in points scored on offense. I mean, they're they're at six overall in points scored. This is a really good offense, 
they just got behind the eight ball on those in terms of the advanced metrics because Cam was so bad in week two because he was injured. So in my opinion, you wait as long as humanly possible. And if Cam doesn't get healthy, then you just don't bring him back. It's not worth the risk. Will Brinson is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Check out his Pick 6 podcast when you get a chance. Christian McCaffrey through six games is on pace for 2,461 yards uh, from scrimmage in the regular season. Only one running back ever has had more. We're trying to put this in perspective. We know quarterbacks have won 11 of the last 12 NFL MVP awards. Uh, and when Chris Johnson had his 2,500-plus yard year 10 years ago, he did not win MVP. But LaDainian Tomlinson has done it. Adrian Peterson did it uh, six or seven years ago. What would your rolling MVP list look like right now? And would Christian McCaffrey even be in that top three or top five? Oh, yeah, for sure in the top five. Um, I actually, we submitted it. We have an article up. We do, we're doing them weekly starting now. We're, we have like a you know a quick straw poll between four or five writers, and we, we do our votes. Uh, I had Russell Wilson won. He's playing out of his mind. He has defense is not very good uh, run game okay but it's they're basically leaning on Russell and, and he, he would be deserving if the season ended today Deshaun Watson too I thought he got his uh, in, you know Heisman moment NFL Heisman moment uh, when he went into uh, Kansas City and beat Patrick Mahomes the reigning MVP beat, 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 to be the king you got to beat the king right yep. uh, Mahomes Mahomes actually I put McCaffrey three and then I had Mahomes four just because I think he's playing banged up and the stats aren't that great right now 56% completions over his last three weeks. I had Lamar Jackson at five, but it's a pretty big gap between four and five. Um, look, Christian McCaffrey is – the Panthers are leaning on Christian McCaffrey. I mean, if you I, – I know that running backs are more fungible than, than other positions, and I, I get that um, it's not a uh, – you know, it's not a situation where, you know, like, like maybe you could plug and play somebody. But uh, Christian McCaffrey is so freaking good, and he is so deadly in the pass game. He's so explosive in the open field. He's a great pass blocker. You know, he's out there. He's creating extra yards with his skill set. He's running between the tackles. He, they are funneling their offense through him, and they're winning football games right now. So I think it would be impossible. Like when you look at value, right, Cam Newton goes down. They have Kyle Allen step in, and they just put it all on Christian McCaffrey, and that, that helps them win football games. So, to me, uh, it's, a, it's a no-brainer that he would be a top three or top four guy uh, right now in the MVP race. Jalen Ramsey, at his best, is one of the best defensive players in this league, and he just got traded, uh, disgruntled in Jacksonville. He goes to the Rams, who just had a crazy uh, defensive backfield depth chart shakeup in more ways than one but Jacksonville gets back two first rounders and a fourth rounder uh, the Rams went into the season as one of the favorites in the NFC after the Super Bowl trip last year uh, are they immediately a lot better and what do you think in the bigger picture with them trading away even more first round picks and maybe not sure what version of an enigmatic Jalen Ramsey they're going to get and for how long they're going to get him yeah, I would look at this trade a couple of ways. Uh, and by the way, one, apparently, I heard Peter Schrager say this morning that he was reporting that uh, Ramsey's back injuries can be fine. Right? Okay. It can be like, I was like, he was like, hey, well, look at that. You know, like uh, Rodney Dangerfield's the reverse of Rodney Dangerfield's arm and Caddy. <laughs> yeah, well, man, I'm, I'm, I feel a little better now. Uh, I, yeah, I think, I think I would look at it like this the Jaguars won in the sense that they were able to uh, give it a run for two weeks, see what happened. They lost to the, the Panthers and the Saints. They realized season's sort of slipping away. You don't want to risk losing the value that was out there for, for teams 
in, in, a, in a Jalen Ramsey trade. So you pull the trigger now. You get two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick. That's a great haul for him. Um, those could end up being pretty good picks if things go south for the Rams. Uh, on the other hand, the Jaguars lose a little bit, in my opinion, because you draft this guy as a top-five player and you can't convince him to stay on a, on a big contract in, in, the, in the city that drafted him in a state with no income tax. Like, what, what, what's going wrong there? That, that, I think that says something bad about the franchise. Uh, for the Rams, you know, it, look, J- trading two first-round picks is never a good idea. It is, a, it is risky inherently because if your season craters and you're already playing in the division with the undefeated 49ers and the 5-1 and one Seahawks, if your season craters and you're at 3-3, three and three, then all of a sudden you could be giving up a top 10, top 5 pick. I mean, it could go south very quickly. I don't think it'll do that. They've got two, good ga- two easy games on the schedule before they're by, but I would be worried that it goes south. And then the other side of the coin is, like, you got a 24-year-old superstar cornerback. You can sign him to a long-term deal. Yep. You wouldn't be able to get him with those picks. So not a terrible move in that sense. Good stuff, man. Thanks for the visit, as always. Keep up the good work. All right, Dave. Take care. You got it. Senior NFL writer for CBSSports.com. The Pick 6 podcast on Twitter. He is at Will Brinson. Roddy Jones drops, drops by in about 45 minutes. We will have former DG Show producer Jared Brooks and former DG Show producer Hayes Permar. We will have 14 years' worth of producers represented on our show. It is the 10th anniversary of the handle at David Glenn Show on Twitter. We are proud that we have only four or five people blocked right now after a decade on that social media platform. We have broken major news there. We have gone viral occasionally. We've had a lot of fun with you there. And we brag about that smartest audience in sports radio. That is one more reminder. Only four or five blocks after 10 years. That is more a testament to you than to us. And we thank you for that. We'll talk with Jared Brooks and Hayes Permar about our decade-long evolution on that important in the sports media, social media platform. Darren Vaught will get to chime in as well. Roddy Jones on college football later. Your phone calls in between. Glad you're a part of it on the David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. More headlines, more phone calls, but never in the history of this show have we had my three full-time producers in the same segment as we celebrate today our 10-year Twitter anniversary. Jared Brooks and Hayes Permar and Darren Vaught with me next. Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show.